All right, what's up, everybody? Welcome, welcome, welcome. Good morning, folks. Today is September 12th. It is Monday. This is episode 195 of the Daily Cyber Threat Briefing, Simply Cyber's audio controls are not working, of course. Try to get all fancy here and have to do it manually. Oh, yeah, there we go. The old mouse click versus the super expensive mixing board that doesn't seem to work when we go live. Welcome to episode 195 of Simply Cyber's Daily Cyber Threat Briefing. I'm your host, Dr. Gerald Ozier, and over the next 45 minutes, I'll be delivering the top cybersecurity news stories of the day and providing expert analysis on each of those stories on what it means to you as a practitioner. Or if you're looking to break into the industry, we've got you covered. But before we get into that, shout out and thanks to this stream sponsor, <clears throat> Barricade Cyber Solution. Barricade Cyber Solutions is dedicated to helping businesses from cyber attacks and recover from the damage done. Cyber attacks can cause massive issues for the businesses and send dedicated, hardworking business owners into turmoil. But Barricade Cyber Solutions knows how to mitigate the damage done by cyber incidents. Check them out at barricadecyber.com. Links in the description below. Also, shout out to co-sponsor Recon InfoSec. Guys, Recon InfoSec's Managed Detection and Response, aka MDR, offering includes the people, process, and technology needed to deliver full-spectrum security operations to organizations of any size. Their MDR service includes fully managed SIM and SOAR, and customers gain full visibility into their own environment, as well as any incident investigations being worked by the Recon InfoSec team, or the Recon SOC. So thank you very much to both of those wonderful sponsors. Links in the description below. I want to remind you, if you hold professional certifications like uh, CISP, SISM, CISA, etc., each episode of the Daily Cyber Threat Briefing, just like this one, is worth half a CPE. So two and a half a week or roughly 10 a month. Be sure to document literally the easiest and I would argue the most enjoyable way to earn CPEs. Just say what's up in chat. If you're live, love it. Drop a hashtag team live in chat. That's one way for uh, saying here, just like Robert Buchanan just did. Thanks, Robert. If you're watching on replay, drop a hashtag team replay. Just because it's replay doesn't mean it's not valuable. Hashtag team ring. Replay in the comments or in the chat. Thanks for catching the stream. I appreciate you making time for it. Reminder, people, if you didn't know, every episode of the Daily Cyber Threat Briefing is immediately posted to audio podcast format right after the show ends. I basically stop the show, download the audio, upload the audio, and then the internet does sore things and, or partially sore, right? Actually, none of it's sore, just the A, automation. It pushes it all to the internet's and then you guys get little uh, notifications on your on your phones and, and tablets and stuff. So go ahead and consume it that way if it works for you. Now, if you're watching on replay and you don't like pleasantries, jump forward. If you like pleasantries or you're live, let's hang out. Let's let's have a sip of coffee. Let's talk about what's going on. And in about two minutes, we're going to jump right into the news. So good morning, Omatola. Good to see you, Sekmeister. Hey, Modi. Hey, uh, Taku, ta Tachu, Taku, Ku, Obalor, good to see you on Team Live. Hey, Hamza. Hey, Carrie, good to see you. Guys, I tried. I tried. I had everything. I did a couple, like, practice runs here with the, uh, with, with the, oh, there we go. The weirdest thing with this mixing board, like, it, it's almost like you have to catch, you have to, like, catch it to be recognized, but as soon as you catch it, you are the captain now, right? <laughs> 
Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. Sure. I'm the captain now. I'm the captain of this mixing board now. What's up, Philip Martin? Hey, Brittany Dawson. Good to see you, Nathan Blair, internal stranger. Oi, oi, oi. Podcasts are awesome. Oh, great, Robert. I'm glad you enjoyed that. Hey, Isaiah Chu. It's been a minute. Miss Kimberly, read your post. Uh, very, very um, uh, touching post uh, that I read that you posted the other day. Thank you for sharing that, Kimberly. Hey, Gozi. Oh, man, you guys jumped. You need a big mug. Oh, my God, guys. This thing, this is a tall boy right here. Tall boy coffee. <laughs> Love it. So let me know if you guys have any thoughts. I, I screwed around with the intro this morning. Um, you know, when I do the little movie clip, it, it takes away the focus from the, from the show and then it flips back. And I, think, I feel like when it comes back to the show, it's very uh, abrupt the way it comes back. So I'm trying to do this more radio professional style where we, we slide in and then the audio uh, comes down. So we'll see how it goes. Hey, Gibson. Good to see you. Deborah Sue. Always nice. Glad you made it. Glad you made it to the lives. Joe O'Brien, what's up in the house? Carrie Joshua B. Guys, couple great things to share with you. I'm super pumped. Hey, did you guys get your actionable intel email this morning? I got mine at 6.30 a.m. Eastern. If you don't know, guys, I want you to know, because I, like, I really feel like there's really uh, incredible value in this thing. Okay, is this it right here? Yeah, guys. Cyber... Crush your week, CyberPro. If you didn't get this email and you want it, go to simplycyber.io slash newsletter. Look at this. For your end users, boom. For your peers, boom. For executives, boom. And that's it. That's it. Here's a bunch of actionable, consumable intel. And if you're not sure what I, what, like, this isn't enough right here for you to take action on, you just click right here. And it instantly takes you right to the security advisory. The live analysis where I did it. It's, it's sick, guys. It's sick. I, I'm like really, really, really excited about the newsletter. So if you got it, consume it. If you got feedback, give it to me. If you don't know about it, sign up for it. Exclamation point newsletter in chat. I would love it. Love it, love it, love it. All right, Ken. We got six minutes here. Let me take a slug of my coffee and we'll get right into the chat. Hey, Raymond. Hey, Matthew Lattis on LinkedIn. Joe. Joe Jakubiel. Jakubielski, good to see you. Love the love the love the sun there. Hey Gail, how you can use this is great. Thank you, Gail. That's what I was going for. Yes, yes, yes. It's money, it's straight money. It's liquid gold. Straight cash, homie. All right, all right. We'll give it here. I'm gonna pour a little bit more. Reggie's getting his coffee. Oh yeah, yeah. Everybody, take two sips. One for you, one for Carrie. Reminder, this Wednesday, guys, I'll be on a plane going to Houston. We will have a guest host for the Simply Cyber's Daily Cyber Threat Briefing. Show some love. This host has experience in the saddle, so I know you guys are in good hands. Jeremy, enjoy the email. Let me know if you got any feedback. Guys, this Thursday, we've got a sick live stream going on, too. Virginia Case is coming back. We're roasting LinkedIn resumes and side hustle websites. Mm. Yeah, BSEC, I'll see you. If you're going to be at the conference, I'll. we can high five. I'm flying in and flying out same day, so it's going to be a, it's going to be spicy. Spicy! <laughs> Hopefully no travel problems. All right, guys, let's get into the news, shall we? Hey, Nicole Hogan, good to see you. <clears throat> All right, let's do the news. 
from the CISO series, it's cybersecurity headlines. It's Monday, September 12th, 2022. Ransomware gangs switching to new intermittent encryption tactic. A growing number of ransomware groups are adopting a new tactic that helps them encrypt their victims' systems faster while reducing the chances of being detected and stopped. This tactic is called intermittent encryption and it consists of encrypting only parts of the targeted file's content which would still render the data unrecoverable without using a valid decryptor. By skipping every other 16 bytes of a file, for example, the encryption process takes almost half of the time required for full encryption but still locks the contents for good. Additionally, because the encryption is milder, automated detection tools that rely on detecting signs of trouble in the form of intense file I.O. operations are more likely to fail. Sentinel Labs has posted a report examining an intermittent encryption trend started by Lockfile in mid-2021 that has now been adopted by the likes of Black Basta, Alf V, Black Cat, Play, Agenda, and Quick. Wow. Okay. Firmware. So, this is interesting. Um... Sorry, I'm just, this is really interesting. So I'm trying to read it and consume a little bit more before I render an opinion. This is, um, this is a very notable development in the ransomware scene. Um, yeah. Okay. So check this out. So the, okay. The, the TLDR here is that basically the, the detection, um, Okay, so the protection tools used by uh, security vendors to combat ransomware nowadays, um, this is a direct uh, response to this. So a lot of times you got to remember, uh, in, in our world, it's very much a cat and mouse game where the, the criminal is the cat and we are the mouse. So we're, we're constantly kind of um, adjusting and changing and then, or, or it could be the other way around, right? We're the cat, it doesn't really matter. Like as a tactic changes, then the other party has to adapt in order to uh, combat that. And then because the, you know, you, you're now addressing whatever the attack vector was, the attacker needs to pivot again. And this is what this is, okay? So ransomware has been buck wild since 2017, easily wanna cry, right? And security vendors have caught up and now there's all sorts of products that like, they do all sorts of different things, but as they said in here, some of them will look for intense file IO activity on the processor. Um, or in memory or whatever you want to say, wherever it's happening. And it'll say, okay, this looks like ransomware. So like, it's almost like ransomware, like the active heavily encrypting devices or systems or files has a signature for lack of a better term around this high intensity file IO. So when, when the uh, software sees that it's like, holy crap, the ran this box is getting ransomware. Like let's, let's neuter the thing. Let's cut off network connections. Let's, let's freeze it, whatever. Right. So whatever the tool is going to do, so the way that threat actors are combating this is by this intermittent encrypted. And basically, if you think of if you think of a file or data, it's just a string of, uh, you know, you open a file with Microsoft Word, right? But at the end of the day, all it really is is this a stream of data um, that you know ultimately is zeros and ones underneath, right? So if in starting instead of starting at the beginning and going to encrypt, 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 right? It's going encrypt, whoosh, encrypt. Whoosh, encrypt right so it's jumping right this is intermittent and it still renders the file useless because the second you start mucking around with any of it 
whatever executable is going to run that file is probably not going to work correctly. If you change the header, it's definitely not going to work. If you change parts of the data, it's not going to render. The idea here is that they can mess up your data and effectively keep it from you in a faster way because they don't have to touch every piece of the file. Plus, the high file I.O. isn't going to be noticed by the uh, EDR solution or whatever you're putting in place. What, what I would argue is this is more advanced. Uh, it is a kind of a clever novel attempt at addressing um, risk mitigation. I will say that I know some some um, ransomware uh, um, protection tooling will actually just look because a lot of times ransomware, uh, one of its other hallmarks is that it starts at the beginning um, and it starts working across uh, encrypting files. So if you start seeing uh, like these ransomware solutions will drop a um, protection solutions will drop some fake folders with a bunch of files in it. And if it's like file one's encrypted, file two's encrypted, file three's encrypted, and there's no reason for that to happen, it, it's like almost like a honeypot. Like it's like, oh, okay, like this box is being encrypted right now. Let's take action on that. And that doesn't matter if it's intermittent encryption or not. So there, this isn't going to um, bring us back to ground zero as far as ransomware prevention goes. But this is an interesting tactic and one that you should be mindful of. At the end of the day, as a victim, it doesn't matter if they encrypt your entire box or they just intermittently encrypt parts of a file on your box. The outcome is the same. You're hosed. You can't access the data. And now you either have to recover from backups, pay the ransom, and hope you get the recovery keys. Pay the ransom, hope you get the recovery keys, and hope that the decryption key actually works. Because spoiler alert, sometimes the key doesn't even actually work. Uh, and uh, four, hope that your data doesn't get out if it is sensitive or um, confidential in some, some form or fashion. So uh, another development by the threat actors. No surprise, guys. Final thing I'll say about this, it, you know, there's no, you don't need to change the way you're defending from ransomware in order to, to address this change. Security vendors, guys, uh, people who are making products need to address for this, but you as a practitioner, don't need to do anything. Continue the protection, continue the compartmentalization, continue the EDR updates, continue proactively testing in your environment how your current controls actually will respond when a box is ransomware, like test it. And then finally, make sure that your backup and recovery procedures are at least there, if not tested with some you know frequency, minimum annually, ideally biannually or quarterly. And by, and by when I say that, if your entire environment got ransomware right now, what is the first system that you bring up? What's the first system? Is it Active Directory? Is it some mission critical system? Is it the ERP? Is it Microsoft Word? It's probably not, but you see what I'm saying? Is it an email? I don't know. It's going to be different for every organization, but if you can't answer the question, what's the first system to bring up, then you definitely need to get your stuff in order. Okay. Bugs in many HP computer models left unfixed for over a year. A set of six high-severity firmware vulnerabilities impacting a broad range of HP enterprise devices are still waiting to be patched, although some of them were publicly disclosed in July 2021. Firmware flaws are particularly dangerous because they can lead to malware infections that persist even between OS reinstallations or allow long-term compromises that would not trigger standard security tools. A report from Binnerly states that even though it has been a month since they made some of the flaws public at Black Hat 2022, the vendor hasn't released security updates for all impacted models, leaving many customers exposed. 
The researchers reported three bugs to HP in July 2021 and the other three in April 2022, giving the vendor four months and a full year, respectively, to push updates for all affected devices. Okay, a couple things. One, I just want to point this out to everybody. This is 2022. This is a stack-based buffer overflow vulnerability. These still exist. So I know some people say like, oh, like I don't know why we're still studying stack-based. I don't go on site and exploit stack-based. They still exist. They, they, this is like a fundamental you know, category of bug and they still are found. They're still discovered. Okay, so here's the TLDR on this one. I don't want to spend a terrible amount of time, but if you're running HP system, if you're an HP shop, first of all, you definitely should be aware of this, right? Hopefully, HP releases updates. I don't know the level of exploitation. They do show you the CVSS score, which is basically how we how we rate vulnerabilities, right? So if you don't know the CVSS, it's Common Vulnerability Scoring System. Fact check me. I might get that acronym wrong, but it's basically how we how we in the industry exchange information around how bad a vulnerability is. Okay, it's uh, out of ten, so eight point two is pretty high. Remember, guys that a vulnerability score is temporal too. This vulnerability in a business that has like one HP box is less of a vulnerability than a business that only runs HP or a server that is internet facing that is an HP box versus some machine that's in a lab that's air gap from the network, right? So there is a temporal value to calculating CVSS scores. So just know that. Don't ever look at this and be like, oh, it's an 8.2, like I should do something or, um, well, these are all high, so it's not gonna matter. But like, this could be a 10 in your environment, I guess is what I'm trying to say, okay? So so be mindful of that. If you're running HP, definitely find out if the uh, the patches are fixed and then practice uh, sound vulnerability management. Roll them out to a couple pilot systems, make sure they don't break anything. Roll them out to uh, different uh, kind of security champions in different places in your organization. So like one in finance, one in accounting, one in marketing. Several in the sales department because those salespeople, woo, <laughs> just test with the salespeople and uh, and then roll it out everywhere. Okay, don't let don't let this one go. Okay, guys. And BT Dubs, this another quick thing that this points out is you're responsible for patching and vulnerability management across the entire tech stack. Just because most people think of patching at the operating system level, oh, we got a Windows patch. Oh, we got a Mac OS at Mac OS patch. We've got iOS patch. You still need to patch firmware. You still need to patch applications, plugins, it, software. It's software. Patch it, patch it, patch it. Okay. SEC to set up new office for crypto filings. Oh, surprise. The U.S. securities regulator will set up two new offices to deal with filings related to crypto assets and the life sciences sector, the agency said on Friday. The Office of Crypto Assets and the Office of Industrial Applications and Services will join seven existing offices under the Securities and Exchange Commission Department, which handles corporate disclosure filings. Rene Jones, director of the Division of Corporate Finance, said in a statement, quote, as a result of recent growth in the crypto asset and the life sciences industries, we saw a need to provide greater and more specialized support. Mm -hmm. I'm a crypto evangelist. I love it, love it, love it. All right. Thank you, Charles Finfrock. For those of you who don't know, if you're new here, that is Charles Finfrock, a friend of the Simply Cyber community and a guy who is all in on crypto. Um, so, guys, from the office of Not Surprised, here is the SEC coming up with 
uh, an office for crypto filings. Okay, guys, the dream of crypto was supposed to be decentralized and effectively not regulated. Um, you know, so government, big government, federal uh, wouldn't get involved and people could have their own, you know, currency and stuff like that. Decentralized, right? Decentralized finance. That's what the dream was. Okay. As things have turned into Wild West, hot messes on fire, scams everywhere, lack of knowledge, uh, lack of uh, FDIC kind of coverage, at least in the United States, when you your money gets robbed from a bank, the federal government reimburses you. In the crypto world, someone steals your money, which happens literally all the time. When someone steals your money, that's it. You're done, right? So SEC kind of getting involved. This is more around crypto filings because as businesses begin to, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, diversify their financial portfolio, they are bringing on crypto. So when you look at the value of a company or where it's spending its money or what its balance sheet looks like, and guys, I am by no means a business expert. I can't, I, I can't analyze those things, but I do know like the health of a company is based on its balance sheet, right? What kind of liabilities is it carrying? What kind of assets does it have under management? If it's got a billion dollars in crypto, it's still a billion dollars. Or if it's got some like ridiculous loan out or something like that for a billion dollars, it needs to be covered. It needs to be considered part of that business's value. All right. So I'm not surprised about the SEC. I'm actually a little surprised it took this long, frankly. Maybe they were waiting to see if crypto was going to, you know, be here for the long haul. Maybe, I suppose. I don't know. But this is just another step as the Department of Treasury has sanctioned tornado cash, SEC getting involved with the Office for Crypto Filings. Like, at least in the United States, we're starting to see a slow, big government kind of. Mm, intervention on the crypto space. Now, remember, cryptocurrency is borderless. It's not a US currency. It's not. It's a global decentralized currency. So the United States reach is only as wide as the US citizens, US businesses. Um, they can't set policy and stand. They can be involved in some type of like United Nations uh, guidance and, and, and standard for crypto, but they can't regulate it. Quote. Draft EU AI Act regulations could have a chilling effect on open source software. New rules drafted by the European Union aimed at regulating AI could prevent developers from releasing open source models, according to American think tank Brookings. The proposed EU AI Act, yet to be signed into law, states that open source developers have to ensure their AI software is accurate, secure, and be transparent about risk and data use in clear technical documentation. Brookings argues that if a private company were to deploy the public model or use it in a product and it somehow gets into trouble, the company would then probably try to blame the open source developers and sue them. This might force the open source community to think twice about releasing their code and would leave the development to private companies. All right. So, um, all right. Um, yeah. So this is kind of interesting. What they're saying here is, the European Union's looking at AI, kind of regulating it. I do appreciate this, that they're, they're actually, from what I just heard, what they're trying to do is actually protect software developers, right? So let's say me and Tom Bishop write an AI, right? Good job, Tom. We post it on open source software. We are making no claims to it. We are not saying that it does something. We're not charging for it. It's open source software, right? And then 
Joel Belton's ice cream shop picks it up because Joel Belton's ice cream shop is going to use it to like automate ice cream scooping or whatever. And then the AI scoops it up and like whips it at customers and hits them in the face, right? This is a completely ridiculous example, but it, it's hyperbolic, intentional to make the point, okay? Tom Bishop, I mean, uh, Joel Belton's ice cream shop goes out of business or gets sued for whipping ice cream scoops at customers. Um, in the United States, everybody sues everybody. So Joel Belton turns around and sues Jerry and Tom Bishop for our AI and in the, the, the problems it caused. It sounds like this regulation right here is intended to protect the developers of the open source software, almost saying that we need to make it clear and transparent what the AI does and how it works and, and everything behind it. But in exchange of that, there's some like liability coverage of use at your own risk. Now, the one thing that I would say here that is interesting is if Tom Bishop and I are, <laughs> Bozo Scoop, Tom Bishop and I are working our butts off. Yeah, it's open source, but maybe we're doing this AI project uh, with the intentions of making the AI public, but you know, having a business model around it, right? Like, like these art um, AI things are doing, right? And by making it open source, a lot of people use it. Uh, we get iterative feedback, et cetera, et cetera. So maybe we want to use it in a business. And by having to make it crystal clear how the inner workings are and everything like that, maybe that gives us, uh, that deters us from having some type of market advantage, um, thinking of just capitalism and stuff like that. So I could see maybe that uh, slow, not slowing down, but deterring people uh, from wanting to do this. At the end of the day, I feel like this is more about protecting open source developers than it is about stifling uh, innovation and uh, creeping on people's intellectual property. Thanks to this week's episode sponsor, EdgeScan. EdgeScan simplifies vulnerability management by delivering a single full-stack SaaS solution integrated with world-class security professionals. Instead of managing a plethora of point scanning tools for each layer of the attack surface and squandering precious staff resources manually removing false positives, EdgeScan offers automated and accurate contextualized alerts across the entire attack surface into a single source of truth. For more information, visit EdgeScan, that's E-D-G-E-S-C-A-N, dot com. All right, so let's take a minute here. And just thank our sponsors, Barricade Cyber, Recon InfoSec. Thank you very much to both of them. Links in the description below. Guys, I just want to take a hot minute here and share a couple small things with you. One, the email, the actionable email, intel, actionable intel email that I uh, told you about at the beginning of the talk. If you weren't here for it, if you guys want this delivered to your inbox every Monday morning in a very, very easy to digest and super actionable way that I write this and send it for, on Monday morning, like literally, this is what you can do Monday, 8 a.m. 8 before people are getting it to work, before your boss has had their coffee. You can already be delivering value to your organization and helping reduce cyber risk by just following this. And if you want additional detail, you just click here and it takes you right to me doing a five-minute analysis of this particular story and the value of it, okay? So I, I'm really, really pushing the newsletter because I think it's wicked valuable and I want people to know about it, right? So that's... That's what's going on with that. Uh, also, want to say shout out and thanks. I, I don't know if you guys are going to be able to see this, but my son, my seven-year-old, made a like and subscribe button for Simply Cyber. He did put the C backwards, so, you know, go with that. But here's a play button and a like button. So <laughs> so if you can, thank you, Callan. Uh, go ahead and hit the like and subscribe button. 
the like button will help people. Uh, YouTube will push this as a live stream onto people's front pages if we do get a bunch of likes. I did do that analysis this weekend. All right, let's get back into the news. Student loan breach exposes two and a half million records. Ed Financial and the Oklahoma Student Loan Authority are notifying over two and a half million loanees that their personal data was exposed in a data breach. The target of the breach was Nelnet Servicing, the Lincoln, Nebraska-based servicing system and web portal provider for OSLA and Ed Financial. This according to a breach disclosure letter. Nelnet revealed the breach to affected loan recipients on July 21st of this year via a letter. No mention was made as to the cause of the vulnerability or the breach. Yep. Okay, so real quick, you know, it's a day that ends in Y, so there was a data breach of some sort. This one's student loan. Um, they are offering two years of free credit monitoring. Whoop-de-doo. Here's the thing that I want to take you guys uh, and remind you about, okay? This this is a axiomatic fact that does not change regardless of what the data breach is or who it was or anything like this. Can you see this? Hopefully you guys can see this, right? Whenever there's a data breach, think about it this way. That information has the potential and likelihood to be leveraged in future social engineering and phishing campaigns, period, end of story. This is the impact of a data breach that no, no passwords were compromised, no financial data, right? Look at, although users' most sensitive data was protected, right? Okay, so feel good about that, but be mindful of this. Anytime, if you guys are like, it's a slow news week and you're just looking for something to tell your end users, just Google any recent data breach, which don't worry, there will be one, and point this out. Guys, here's the deal, has potential to be leveraged. At least in the United States, just recently, uh, President Biden uh, issued some type of uh, student loan forgiveness up to you know ten thousand dollars or whatever. Well, this is a list of student loan uh, people with student loans. Okay, it is nothing to craft an email around the loan forgiveness. Make it look official. Make it look like it's from the government. Make it look like if you click here, you can get an extra $10,000. Make it look like it's a, a time-based thing that the first 500 U.S. citizens that s sign up in a, for a pilot are going to get their entire student loan wiped clean. Whatever it is, click here now before it's too late. Boom. Um, whatever. Either fake landing page, I steal your credentials. B, you install some type of malware. C, watering hole attack. D, whatever call this phone number and yeah call this phone number it's a scam center uh but we're going to tell you that it's the uh, federal student loan counseling center where you're going to get free money but first we got to stick some money in your account oops we stuck too much you got to pay us back go buy best buy gift cards etc etc i don't care be mindful it doesn't change right the, like the type of data that gets breached changes the business changes the number of records change, but at the end of the day, it's the same freaking scam that's the same attack with this data set every time. FCC proposes cybersecurity changes to emergency alert system. Following up on a story we brought you a month ago, Federal Communications Commission Chair Jessica Rosenworcel has proposed several changes to the U.S. emergency alert system and wireless emergency alerts designed to beef up the cybersecurity of the systems following the discovery last month by FEMA of vulnerabilities. 
The systems allow the federal government, the president or state-level officials to send out emergency warnings about a range of issues, including potential weather events or amber alerts for missing children. FEMA's warning stated that the vulnerabilities could enable threat actors to issue alerts over TV, radio and cable networks. Cool. All right, so way to go, Ken Pyle, security researcher who presented this at DEF CON. I did not, I did not know about this talk at DEF CON. Um, DEF CON is just way too big now. Um, it's based, DEF CON is basically a conference of conferences. But anyways, cool stuff by Ken Pyle. Uh, the fact that he disclosed this means that it's out there. I would have to assume Ken Pyle made this um, pub, uh, made this uh, responsibly disclosed this to whoever runs the emergency emergency alert system. Um, hopefully they can update the infrastructure. Um, FEMA issues some information. Make sure EA devices are protected by firewall. Okay. Uh, basic B stuff. Support system and monitoring, audit log monitoring. Well, that's not going to help too much. If someone sends out an emergency alert, yeah, you'll see that they did it, but it, the, the damage is done. People are losing their mind. Zombie attack on the 405, right? I mean... People, you can cause mass hysteria and panic if you abuse this emergency alert system. I would be mindful. Plus, another thing, you got to be wicked careful, guys. If we advise people that the emergency alert system is compromised, then every emergency alert that comes out, people might question. So if you say, like, inbound attack, like, take cover, or tornado warning, take cover, it's like the boy who cried wolf, right? Like, you could actually be like, ah, I don't know if I believe this because this could be fraudulent. And then all of a sudden, like, a tornado picks you up and whips you into the land of Oz. So hopefully they get this sorted out. I definitely feel that the emergency alert system is one of those systems that's wicked important, but running on legacy tech. I will say though, that I do appreciate the way, like, um, I don't know how they hook into like Apple iPhones. I'm sure Androids have this too, but like when you're, you're like doing nothing and all of a sudden your phone's like, or hold on, your phone's like, and then you get like an Amber alert on your phone. I think that that's pretty cool. Right, I think that that tech is really nice because guess what? Most people have their face buried in their phone, and I'm not casting stones. I use my phone a lot, like literally, my phone is probably, um, like well, it's also my wallet. But if I lost my phone, I would be the most impacted uh, than losing my wallet or my keys. Code conference discussion calls for TikTok ban. TikTok. At this year's Code Conference in Los Angeles, some of the world's top tech and media CEOs and prominent political voices raised concerns about the power, rapid growth, and surveillance capabilities of the Chinese-owned TikTok, in some cases calling for it to be banned altogether. TikTok was notably one of the only major mainstream social media companies not present at the conference. Quote, the reason why this has been so challenging for companies to respond to in the United States, but also around the world, is the scale of TikTok's investment, end quote, said Snap CEO Evan Spiegel, whose company recently laid off some 20% of its own workforce. He added, quote, what nobody had anticipated in the United States was the level of investment that ByteDance made into the U.S. market and Europe because it was just something that was unimaginable, end quote. Mm. Last I don't know. This is really kind of... Um, I don't want to say nauseating, but it really does um, make you like you could have a bunch of beers and argue until, you know, the lights came on at the bar about this, guys. 
Okay, so TikTok, you all know that it's wicked successful. What they're saying is part of the reason it's super successful is because they invested a ton of money in order to get widespread adoption. Uh, and then they quickly iterated over the algorithm to learn what worked and what didn't. They had to put a bunch of people on it. They put a bunch of money into marketing and advertising. And, and most importantly, from a business perspective, they they iterated quickly, quickly, quickly on leaning into what worked and um, getting away from what wasn't working. And as many of you know, TikTok is um, widespread. I think like something like over 50% of all social media use is on TikTok. Simply Cyber's not on TikTok, but that's just because I'm, you know, a, a Gen Xer. And I like, I literally, it, it's embarrassing, but like, I literally don't get how to do it. It's so, it's so embarrassing. But like, if I could do TikTok, um, I probably would just so I could find, um, I could share Simply Cyber with more people. But to me, it's like, it's not worth just doing like one TikTok. You have to go like all in on um, making content for TikTok. But anyways, long story short, the reason that I think that this is an argument's uh, sake is that this individual is like, why would you allow uh, them, ByteDance, aka TikTok, aka China, to play such a dominant role in our free market economy? Well, I mean, you kind of said it right here, free market economy. They're making a product that people want to consume. Isn't that what free market is? Like, I hate to be a jerk. And I understand that there is some, um, you know, hyper, you know, government surveillance type stuff with TikTok. But like, make a competing product. It's a free market. They're not tricking us. You're, we're not being forced to consume TikTok. No one's making you install the app, right? I mean, to me, the argument, like, it's, you're just, to me, it's like, you're mad because of who, runs TikTok and that it's wicked successful. Not to say from a capitalistic perspective, but to say, um, you know, kind of maybe what its intents and motives are, right? So again, I'm not geopolitical. I'm not, I'm, this is me shooting from my, my Barker lounger on the sidelines, right? So I'm not wicked uh, close to this. And maybe there are some, some things that are concerning to me, but just at its base level, man, it, 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 it's a app operating in a free market and they've demonstrating value. So I don't know. Weekend ransomware. It was a busy weekend ransomware that saw attacks against NAS devices and IHG International Hotel Group, the parent company of Holiday Inn and Intercontinental, among others. The IHG attack disrupted online reservation systems. Also attacked last week was the technology infrastructure of the Los Angeles Unified School District, although schools remained open. The Vice Society claimed responsibility for this particular attack. Last week we also saw some new ransomware research released, including on Play, Black Cat, ex-Conti members targeting Ukraine, and a new Monty ransomware operation. This week we've got an exciting conversation planned right, for Super right, Cyber Friday. Come on, come on, enough, enough. All right, so, you know, pretty good ransomware roundup, guys. If you weren't with us last week, then maybe this is news to you. But many of these stories that they just shared are actually stories that we already knew about because we covered them. We covered the QNAP one. <laughs> we covered Vice Society attacking uh, K through 12. And we talked about, um, what was the other one that they mentioned? The, oh, um, IHG, which was a huge one. So if you work in hospitality, uh, restaurant travel administration, uh, you definitely be mindful of that. Let's get some music here, huh? Shall we? I think I think we're good. There we go. All right, guys. 
So if you need any ac if you need access to any ransomware stuff, um, you know the ransomware roundup is always here. It's always available. You can always get it and use that information if you want. Guys, that does it for the daily cyber threat briefing. Stay with me for a minute unless you got a boogie out of here and then have a great Monday. Later today, guys, talk about AI and uh, generating art. Midjourney wrote this one. Guys, at 4 o'clock p.m. today, Eastern Standard Time, I will be going live playing World of Haiku. Now, if you guys don't know what World of Haiku is, it's a video game. They're kind of new to the market. Um, and they teach you Linux and pen testing type skills. And they actually have defensive uh, ranges as well that they're going to be releasing. I have early access to beta and dev uh, environments. And I will be live streaming the beta of World of Haiku Pro, which is different than World of Haiku, today at 4 p.m. Come join me. Come hang out. I've got different overlays. We'll be listening to sick music. It'll be a good time um, to the max. Okay, so 4 p.m. later today. Also, if you guys didn't know, many of you might know this, okay? So if you've been with Simply Cyber a long time, I used to do produced videos, like almost exclusively. I didn't even do live streams. Well, the produced videos became overwhelming. Um, I, I leaned more into live, but I missed doing the produced videos. I actually have a lot of backlog of produced videos. Well, I finally found an editor out of uh, Calgary who is helping me. And by using this editor, I throw my A-roll over to them. He cuts it up and does fun stuff with it and then sends it back and I'm gonna post it. I've already got two videos ready to launch on the channel. They will be launching Mondays, at 8.45 a.m. So this video right here, OSINT CTF, if you wanna know about using open source intelligence to help law enforcement find missing persons, this video is gonna be dropping in three minutes on the Simply Cyber channel. Thanks to Casey, Jess, Michael, um, Professor Black Ops, uh, really good time. I did the CTF at Black Hat, um, DEF CON, excuse me, with, with the team good times. So I definitely encourage you guys checking that out in just a few minutes on the channel. If it works out really well, I might even just do a premiere of the video next time and um, we can watch it together. All right. So all of that is a long way to say thank you very much all for being here. Trace Labs really is the best. It's unbelievable. Um, it is unbelievable, guys. I, 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 like I said, I participated in the Trace Labs CTF at DEF CON. And the people that we tried to find, it, it sticks with you. I, I personally uh, spent four hours looking for a missing 16-year-old and made some headway. And since since um, the event, she's been found. And unfortunately, she's uh, deceased. And it was really emotionally impactful. I actually, I actually kind of had a, a bit of an emotional breakdown at my desk here um, watching watching the um, the video. Of, of them locating her. So anyways, it's, it's very emotional. It's very engaging and it's very awesome because you're really making real impact. It's, it's one of the best we did. Yeah. Leonardo, we found one. we found. Yeah. Well, I know our team found one, which was sick. So awesome. I don't think that that happens every time, but it was all about good times. Uh, I would definitely do the trace lab CTF again. I plan on doing it again. It's so, so, so good on multiple levels guys i hope you all had a wonderful weekend i hope you're ready for 
a killer week. Like I said, Wednesday we have a special guest for Simply Cyber because I'll be in Houston. I've I, I've got um we've got another raffle coming up maybe next week or the week after. I've been in contact with a vendor. Eric Taylor and I are making a produced video reviewing a piece of tech that has a story behind it. And the guy who owns the company is like, can I, can I raffle off a bunch of this tech to your community? I said, hell yeah, let's do that. So it's going to be good. Guys, we're at the 44-minute mark. I want to thank all of you for being here. If you're interested, if you're not quite ready to go to work because you used the actual Intel email and just crushed it already, check out the, tra uh, check out the Trace Labs OSINT CTF produced video that's going to drop in about 30 seconds on the Simply Cyber channel. Y'all be good. We'll see you guys today at 4 p.m. Eastern on Simply Cyber. Cheers, everybody.